0: That's Mystical. <laughs> i <I'm> missed. <mystical. laughs> <laughs> and And uh, we're, we're going to be regularly doing podcast segments with the two of us and just talking about different things that have meaning for us, you know, on this, on this path. And uh, so we'll start with gratitude today. And, um, you know, it's February and we are fortunate enough to have this beautiful sunny morning here. And I am just really, really grateful for that sunshine. It's totally making my day. Um, my gratitude
1: uh remains the songbirds because I think it's like a really great indication of moving out of the kind of cold winter. I feel like I'm I'm a crocus right now. Mm. I'm grateful for, for their song moving me outside.
0: Well thank you. Uh, Today, we're going to dive into the question, what does it mean to be a practitioner? And to give context, we've been talking a lot about kind of what's going on with something of meaning and, you know, this idea of cultivating creativity and connection and community. And, you know, I've listened to a lot of podcasts where people start off by reading a bio and they talk about all of their various credentials and their, you know, their business background. And that's awesome if that's where you're coming from. And that kind of work is really important, having researchers and experts out in the world. And we are both out there constantly reading and listening and learning from the experts in the world. And I think it's also true to say that when we looked at ourselves and we said, well, who are we to be sharing this information? the answer is that we're people who are practicing we're people who are out there doing our best to learn and to and to grow day to day and to you know to actually test out the things that we hear and to try them in our own lives and and to kind of just regularly pay attention to what's working for us as we go forward and and just trying to get better a little bit day by day so When we ask that question, well, who are we then? The answer is practitioners. And so that's what I kind of want to dive into a little bit further. Um, And Mystical, I'm curious if you have any thoughts you want to add to that.
1: I had this um, realization, I guess it was at the beginning of January, and it was actually um, the transition from consumer to practitioner. Hmm. Like the thing that I have a really vivid memory of and I think it was Amanda Scott's Accidental Gods podcast like the I think it was the annual roundup for 2022 and there was something about it that made me realize I'd been like a fan I'd been consuming and listening and being like yeah that's right and in agreement for like two years you know and then like Sharon Blackie's stuff as well and and been a consumer of what their output was. And then realizing that I wasn't, um, like the ways that I was practicing, I wasn't doing as much as I felt I could. And I had this really clear moment of realizing that I needed to transition into practicing. Um, mm-hmm. And I feel like I've, I've spent a lot of my, a lot, I've spent a lot of my life, I think we both have like consuming, reading the books, Buying into, you know, trying stuff on. And that in the last three years, particularly, we, the practicing has become incredibly purposeful versus being like a, I don't know what the word is, like a natural, you know, you pick stuff up and you like habitual stuff you just start doing because you've been exposed to it enough. Yeah. Whereas now I feel like it's that, it's that difference, right? Between, um, we were just talking about. breakfast about being intentional versus being a product of your community and we've been really lucky that we've had really good communities so that the product of our community has been pretty good um good life and good values but having that transition And I'm curious, actually, because I have a very key moment in my my mind, right, recently, where I was like, I need to move from consumer to practitioner in this area. And if you had, like, a
0: moment. Mm. I think that, actually, a big reason why I'm doing this is because of how many moments I've had. And the thing that I'm struck by in my life is how often that moment feels like it's the biggest epiphany in the world mm. when you have it. And then you like, you know, maybe it happens to you on a, on a Sunday and, and by Thursday, you know, you're right back in your reality again, you know? And, and so I think that that's, you know, the answer is yes, I've had a lot of moments. Uh, I've had a lot of moments over the years. And, and what has actually made the difference for me is looking at that question of like well what do i do next when i have that moment when i have that moment of realization right because i i was kind of told this story when i was uh younger and and i don't know that i was specifically told it i think just society sort of gave me this idea that if you were going to be an artist or a creative person or a you know a successful person that they're there was this like inspiration that strikes and you have this like profound realization that I am a singer or whatever. And then, you know, all of a sudden now you are like met with this, you know, incredible energy. You've been like imbued with this, you know, superpower. And then you go off and you become successful because you feel like being successful. And you know, that's so far from the truth we know now, but, but it can be really, really hard to kind of square that circle of like, I've had this epiphany that I need to go in this new direction. And then what the heck do I do on Wednesday morning? You know, what do I do? (laughs) What's the little mundane thing? And did it really make a difference that i meditated for a minute today? Right. (laughs) There's no way that made a difference. Right. (laughs) Um, so I think for me, the thing that has, that has really changed the, uh, trajectory, is this idea of looking at your trajectory, looking at the actions you're taking. Um, And I think it really started from reading that book, Atomic Habits by James Clear. And I just loved the way that he broke everything down in his book. And the, the thing that really struck me was how little and doable the things were. I didn't walk away being like, oh my gosh, now what do I do? Everything is different in my life and where do I start? I was like, oh, I can do a little thing tomorrow that's gonna to make a difference. But it was, uh, it was an, in- an interview with him actually, where he said, if you're on a positive trajectory, if the things you're doing right now and the actions you're taking right now are making you a little bit better, then time is on your side. And that you know in the long run, things are gonna work out well for you. And on the other hand, if the habits and the actions you're taking and the choices you're making are making things a little bit worse every day, then time is working against you. And for me, that was really profound because I went, okay, even if it's just a little thing, if the choices I'm making today make my life feel a little bit better and help me create a little bit more of what I want in my life, then when I wake up a year from now or five years from now, I have a lot of confidence that future me is going to be better off.
1: I love that you ended with future me because James Clear's Atomic Habits and Radical Compassion by Tara Brock were the two Books most recently that kind of really sat with me and had the tools that they were teaching like slip into my life really naturally. Mm. And I know like a lot of it's stuff I'd read or seen or, or like you know, was already on board with, but maybe it's just the way they communicated it that finally, like, I was being able to practice it versus be like, oh, I agree that, and now I'm gonna carry on because it's Wednesday, like you said but the you say this and i can't remember if it's james clear that said about the mountain
0: mm the mountain yeah i heard about the mountain from neil gaiman actually oh, oh yeah,
1: yeah 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 so like the idea of the mountain going towards the mountain is the same idea of this like votes for it towards future self mm-hmm. and when you break it down like that and you have this really clear vision which Tara Brock gives you a great like tool visualization and um an activity for you to like Visualize this future self, it became really clear for me what I wanted her to be. And also, like, suddenly there's a really solid vision or somewhere to go, right? Mm-hmm. Like, it, the idea of, like, I, you know, I have no, I know, what I do know is that the person I am today versus the person I was at 28 and the person I was at 18 are totally different people. And I would, and at those ages, I would have never thought this is who I would be now mm. because I didn't think about it. Right. I didn't think, what am I going to be like? Especially, I mean, 28 and 18, all you're thinking about is, well, I hope I'm cool. And now I can imagine what I want to be like at 48 and 58 and 68 and 78. And, and I want to make sure that I'm honoring her. And it like, is a really easy thing for me to slip into believing because she is me and I am real. And so those votes that I'm making now on a daily basis that, like you said, are small. And sometimes I am confronted with the easy choice or the craving choice. And then there's the third like vote towards future self-choice. And it's become easier. Glennon Doyle recently spoke about how a lot of the choices she has made have been, like, choices she made because of her children. Like, she left her marriage because she wouldn't want her children to be in that kind of marriage. And she, you know, like, is getting the help so that, because she would want her children to get the help. And that has been a lot of my experience as well, especially as having been a young mom, is that I... Had children and was suddenly like, well, I better get my shit together because I don't, I don't want to repeat their, repeat my cycles on them. And I feel like having solidified future self has made me have that same relationship. I better make the vote towards future self because I don't want her to have to suffer for this.
0: Mm, I love that. That's part of your mountain.
1: Yeah, I guess, yeah, like I'm using future self as the mountain.
0: Yeah, oh, I love that. Yeah, because I, I mean, I think we actually have a lot of mountains, don't we, right? Like There's the idea of the mountain of, oh, I want my career to look like this, or I want my body to look like this, or my health to look like this, or you can pick so many different things that you kind of think of as like an outcome that you're reaching, but that idea of I want my habits and my actions and my choices to look like this in the future i want my future self to to embody these things i love that
1: yeah i think as well i would like say that the difference in the level of happiness and and uh self-peace though comes from when the mountain or the future me has nothing to do with body or career and has to do with how do i want to be spending my days yeah right which may involve things that make your body look better because you want to be active or you, whatever right and you may involve your career because you really love making podcasts and that will feed into your career but it's more like imagining the kind of person you want to be inside and how you want to feel mm. than it is what you want to be doing between 9 and 5
0: right or in the gym Hey, if you like what I do, I suggest you give the Something of Meaning newsletter a try. Every Thursday, you'll get a short email with an idea, a question, a suggestion, and a quote that help cultivate creativity, connection, and community. Let's take a look at some of the practical things, like some of the actual choices we're making. In terms of where to start, I think the question that I find really, really helpful is this question of, What is the thing that I can change tomorrow that I think is going to have the biggest positive impact on all the other things in my life?
1: I can't wait to hear your answer because I think there was like a monkey brain version of me when you're saying that that was like, oh, God, there's no way I can answer this question without a bunch of people being like, oh, fuck, I'm never going to do it. Because I feel like it's like, well, it's all of the hard things, <laughs> like, and they're not hard once you're doing them, right? But I, I remember being the person in the space of being like, how do I start? Mm. And then hearing and consuming the stuff that made me be like, mm-hmm. oh, but I'm just not that kind of person.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And so my my answer was the thing that came up is um, Alan Carr's I'm not a smoker mm. thing. And we, we've spoken about this before. But this idea that the way you quit smoking, what's this book called?
0: Uh, The Easy Way to Quit Smoking. The Easy Way
1: to Quit Smoking is that you change your language and your belief system from I'm somebody who's quitting smoking to I'm a non-smoker. Yeah. And that has been really fundamental to me in every aspect of my life. Mm -hmm. I'm not somebody that is trying to move my body more or I'm not somebody that is trying to eat less processed sugar or I'm not somebody that is trying to meditate I am somebody with a meditation practice I am somebody that makes choices towards their future self or I am somebody that moves my body every morning yeah and that has been it sounds so kooky but it is absolutely the thing that has made it easier for me to do things, and to feel like I'm worthy of them, right? I'm no longer the outsider looking in going, ah, oh, but I'm just, I'm just not like James Clear, I, you know, yeah. whatever. And the other thing that, and, and this plays into this, is I recently got some incredible advice from my boss when I'm ramping up on this new project where she told me to stop self-evaluating and to like make a plan that in like six months I was gonna schedule a one-on-one with myself and I was gonna sit down for an hour and evaluate how I had done over the last six months. And then don't think about self-evaluating but until then. Like take it off my plate, take it out of my mind, don't worry about it, say, yep, I've got that, I'm gonna do it in six months. And that has freed me up to just focus on performing as the best I can rather than being like, was that good enough? Was that fast enough? And I like just when she told me that I was just like, man, I'm applying that everywhere in my life. Like that's such a good trick.
0: I love that. I mean, that's one of the one of the coolest tricks I've heard recently. You know, the the nature of our subconscious is that when, like when we're holding something in our thoughts, it tends to come back to us again and again and again, and it can nag at us, and we can't really put it down until we have put it down in some place that we can trust it will be kept safe. And so having that, that future uh, reflection meeting literally on your calendar, and maybe even setting up an email reminder for yourself that tells you it's coming up in a week so that you know you're not gonna miss it. That can make such a huge difference for you being able to be present and let go of that nagging thought and be able to come back to the things you're doing right now. So to, to answer your, your bigger question, I think that there's one thing that is important for all of us to remember, which is that whether we like it or not, life has costs and there's no way to avoid the cost. The only choice you really have is whether you're going to pay the cost ahead of time for benefit later or whether you're going to benefit now for cost later. And just to illustrate that point, I'll use sleep, right? Let's say, we are watching a movie that we really, really like, and I just am going to finish this movie or I'm going to binge the next episode, right? And we stay up watching stuff until three in the morning. And then the next morning, when we have to wake up at 6 a.m. to go to work, you know, we really, really feel that cost. But boy, was that fun staying up till three in the morning, right? And we pay the price later. And you do that again and again and again, and then now you're, you know, Chronically don't sleep enough and you you know, there's other costs that you start paying for that as well Uh, Whereas the flip side of that is that you go to bed you know you put your screens down and you have your nighttime routine and you go to bed on time and you sleep really well and you wake up the next morning and You have the energy for your day and your work day goes really well because you had the energy you needed but you had to pay the cost of giving up on that fun and enjoyment, that benefit of getting to watch that movie or, or staying up doing what you wanted to do. There's no way around that. And so every single, (laughs) and it's just the truth and I'm sorry, sorry for the bad Uh, news. I was just thinking how
1: that we are, we, we made some choices last night (laughs) while we were out dancing and and having a few, one too many, two drinks that we are definitely, uh, we're, Paying that cost a little
0: bit this morning. <laughs> yeah. But, and you know, and, and we talked about it this morning actually. This is a great this is a great thing too. The thing that I have found and we have both found to just be so helpful is to just be paying attention. After we do something, after something happens, and we've made a choice and we're, you know, kind of in the post mortem and reflecting on it, paying attention and going, Hey, did that work for me? You know, and for me it was very clear this morning when I was reflecting back, like. I am so glad I went out and I really, really enjoyed everything I did. And I am definitely not having that many drinks again. It was definitely one too many, you know, so next time I'm going to be aware of that. The thing that I think is key here, you know, what area of my life would, would shifting my choices into something that works better for me, something that benefits me after I have made that choice, right? What area is going to have the best impact, right? The biggest impact for me now, that's where you want to start. You know, it could be sleep, could be exercise could be diet, you know, it could be journaling, it could be meditation, it could be seeing more of somebody or seeing less of somebody. There's, there's a lot of different things. It could be doing your creative work. But the, the thing to remember in all of these things is that don't kid yourself and pretend that you can have it all, that you can have your cake and eat it too. Your choices are make the choice to pay the price of doing the thing that I know makes me feel better later or pay the price later.
1: I had this funny thought earlier cause I was thinking about how Amanda Scott is an inspiration for me here in like the wishing that we could go back in some ways to the tribal connection or not going back. That's the wrong, the wrong word. But I was thinking about like how my habit, like meditation or time outside and connection and, and quiet mind time. And then I was like, oh, man, there's no way tribal Europe was walking around journaling every evening. I can totally drop that habit. <laughs> <laughs> I don't need to journal anymore. It's fine.
0: <laughs> <laughs> By the way... It's been shown that one of the most common practices in traditional cultures is what they call the story of the day. Where everyone goes out and they have their day and they all go and run their individual errands. And then they come back in the evening and they gather around the fire and they tell stories. So we, so, I 100% that. they journal. <laughs> it's right. just okay, the story of what drink. matters to me in, the, in my I'm,
1: day. I'm about that. And we do that at the dinner table, right? The whole like how is your day thing. I think that, oh my God, that's a common well, I don't know if it's common practice, but I feel like the idea of sitting around the table, at least in our circles and, and with our, our communities, um, and connecting with your kids at the end of the school day and checking in on stuff, right, has been, is still a tradition that has lasted through the years. But I, I, I have to say, I am, I, there's a bit of me because I, I like consider myself somewhat of a writer, and I hate journaling, <laughs> so, so I, I, I gave myself a free pass there recently.
0: <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Well, and that's the thing, right? Every one of these, every one of these habits that we choose to adopt or not, um, it needs to be working for us. Let's, let's look at our monthly resolution a little bit together because I think that we can kind of look at that. That'll help to look at the question of sort of where do we go from here? You know, we recently decided... To do resolutions on a monthly basis. And I think the word resolution, you know, we just kind of grabbed that word and took it with us because that's what you do, you know, in when January. You do your, yeah, it's what you do in January <laughs> with your New Year's resolutions. What we really mean is that we set specific intentions in our lives for things that we are planning to do that. We, you know, we want to add into our, into our life or, or take away from our life. And we, we sit down at the end of each month and we actually say, okay, this is what we want to do with our exercise. This is what we want to do with our, our meals. This is you know, what we want to do with journaling, et cetera. And then we actually make a plan for how we're going to address that in the coming month.
1: We also factored in fun.
0: Absolutely, we did factor in we fun. We
1: factored in a lot yep. of fun. And, yep. and one-on-one connection for us and connection for the kids. It wasn't just a classic what are these wellness, you know, things that we're going to do? Although I guess fun falls in wellness, but I think wellness is such a uh, charged uh, word right now.
0: Yeah, the common denominator of all of this is is choices that we are happy we made afterwards.
1: Yeah, I think as well the thing that's important for me about this is it came from a space of I'm a very all-or-nothing person. And you are – and I don't know if this is still true, actually, so I'm I'm down to hear if this is not true anymore. But historically, you have been more of a I don't want to overwhelm myself and I want to choose, like, one or two things, Mm. right? And, like, Mm -hmm. in the example of I'm like, we're going to work out every day and I'm going to do, you know, and blah, blah, and this and everything all at once. And you've always been a big person of we're going to add one thing in this week and then one thing in the next week. And, like – so we were both ending up with experiments where we would start something and then kind of not and be off. And so the monthly resolution came in of like, like, you can do anything for a month. And then you can be like, that fucking sucked. I want to do something else this month. It gives you so much more freedom, especially as somebody that's all or nothing, because I can be all in for January and then reassess in February.
0: And having the limited time scale actually makes a huge difference. Because let's say that you are looking at exercise and exercise is really hard for you. You know, if you tell yourself, I now need to go and exercise for 45 minutes every day for the rest of my life, (laughs) I I, I don't give you great odds on executing on that plan. You know, that sounds pretty miserable. Um, although, you know, there is a decent chance that there will be a time in your life if exercise is something you're committed to or, or being healthy and having a healthy body is something you're committed to not that you kid. probably <laughs> will be exercising 45 <laughs> minutes a day for the rest of your life, but that's not a helpful frame, you know? So a helpful frame is if I was to kind of frame this process of the monthly resolution or the monthly intentions, if you want, or monthly plan, I would frame it in these questions. I think the first question that I would ask is, okay, what are the areas, what are the top one to three areas of my life where making a change and shifting a habit is gonna make the biggest impact on the rest of my life? That's my first question.
1: Three to three to five for me, <laughs> <laughs> right? Well, and this is, and that's the
0: thing. So the the science on this, the research on this, because none of this stuff is totally scientific. It's still very qualitative. But the research on this shows that most people have a difficult time effectively adapting more than one or two new things into their routine at a time. So adding one or two things is probably the most that I can do. And if I try to add five, you know, I'm trying to juggle five balls at once, the chances are that I'm gonna drop all of them. So for me, it has worked really well to start by doing one small change and then maybe adding another small change after that first change feels like it's become uh, not necessarily fully automatic, but I'm no longer having to think about thinking about it. I'm just doing it now, you know?
1: I just had this realization that that I, it's really interesting how you and I have such a really different experience with this because mine is mine truly is three to five and like one would fall off it straight away for me and I think it has a, it comes from a a history of a little bit faking it until I could make it mm. right like having to play roles or jump in and you know and that comes from alternative education and, and being in a business industry that is very intense and high, high profile and, and a lot of imposter syndrome. And so there's, there's a lot of showing up and just being, and, and then also going back to the, I'm a non-smoker or I'm, it's like a belief system. Like, well, if I behave like I am future self then I will be future self. And so and I think that's where my all or nothing comes in. Like I have to do all of them and just kind of fake it till I make it. And then the habits stick.
0: Yeah, I think the, the important takeaway here is that there isn't a one size fits all. And wherever you are in your, uh, in your journey is valuable. And I, but I think it's that thing. It's like, yeah, don't, don't kid yourself. If you know, if you have a history of taking on five things, then dropping all of them and being right back where you started, maybe try something different this time. That was the thing I had to do.
1: Yeah, I think as well, like the thing actually, like if we think about the question of like, how do we take consuming lots of health information and put it into choices and practice? Yeah. The actual answer that has made it successful for us is that we like, we talk a lot about it. Yes, And we, di- we read stuff together and we digest it and we break it down. And a lot of the time we have really different takeaways
0: yeah. and
1: we um, are pretty good at like at communicating with those different changes and different points of view. And I think that for me has been the life change in the last five years where we you have helped me externalize all of the stuff I am consuming Mm. And put it into practice. Mm -hmm. And I I think I've done the same for you.
0: Yeah, we've definitely supported each other.
1: And I think that's been really key. Like, you know, it's like whatever, a book club or a... But just like externalizing your future self and your goals. And that's like, we we have in the last five years been incredibly intentional about our community and our connection to each other and our land and, and our community that yep. it has externalized all of the stuff we've been consuming and, and dreaming and, and have, has helped us put it into practice. And, like, I think that has been the thing. And then we have a ton of little t- tips and tricks, right? Like, yeah. oh, we do this to make sure we're in that. and that. But really the key, the cornerstone for me is having somebody to postmortem with or to debrief with or to be like, hey, what do you think about this? And yeah. then we end up putting it into practice.
0: Yeah. And I mean, and that's why we're doing this podcast, because if you are fortunate enough to have someone in your life already who you are really good at partnering with on, you know, on shared goals and and wanting to wanting to shift, then that is awesome. Um, But we're also hoping that, you know, checking in and, and touching in with us on a regular basis can help to serve that. You know what? Everybody has heard that that old saying that we're the average of the five people that we spend the most time with. I think the thing that is true is that I have found podcasts seem to count for that.
1: I definitely find that my day goes better when I surround myself with people who inspire me and bring me warmth and connection, and those
0: people can be podcasts, too. This podcast is brought to you by you, the listeners, via patreon.com somethingofmeaning Patreon's been a total game changer for creative businesses like mine, allowing me to be supported directly by my community. You can become a patron starting at five bucks a month, and all levels of support receive the same patron-only benefits. You'll get access to exclusive bonus content every month, and you'll also get to submit questions that we'll answer in our listener question episodes. To become a patron, visit patreon.com somethingofmeaning. Thanks for your support. Now back to the podcast. The outcome of being really intentional about your habits and your and your choices, and you know, and actually executing on your plan, is that there is few things in life that feel better than checking off the box of I did what I said I was going to do. Oh, and, I love a list. You know, and you and when you've checked <laughs> off that that mental list, and by the way, I literally check off every single day. That feeling of I've checked off the things that I that I needed to do today. I checked off the things that I you know wanted to do that were important to me that I knew I would feel good about later. And then to go and watch TV after you've done that is like such a lovely feeling. It is such a like I am chilling. That is what I am supposed to be doing right now. Yeah, I love that feeling.
1: The thing that came up for me and I I like wrote it down and then totally forgot to bring it up in that moment was that, like, you have to be okay with being uncomfortable. Mm. And uncomfortable, being uncomfortable means you're growing. And being uncomfortable means you're climbing the mountain, right? Nobody goes on a hike and doesn't feel it in their calves and their glutes and doesn't get a little bit out of breath and doesn't maybe get a blister on their big toe. But then they get to the top of the mountain and they pull out the, yeah, this is my dream, the baguette and the, wheel of brie and the bottle of champagne and they sit there and they have a lovely romantic picnic at the top of the mountain. It's my birthday next week, so I'm just planting seeds, guys. Um, <laughs> and it's uncomfortable to get there, but there's so much joy in that, un- being uncomfortable. And you and I have both experienced a lot of being uncomfortable in the last year. Yeah. Me with my new job, you with building something of meaning and man it's like there have been so many moments where I'm like why did I say I wanted to be uncomfortable this is the worst but it's also like I have never been more at peace with my path I have never found more joy and I have
0: never been more proud of myself and you and it's I mean it's basically you know going back to the idea of paying the cost it's like Let's use being uncomfortable as the cost. Would you rather be uncomfortable doing the things that make you really proud and happy later? Or would you rather be uncomfortable later as you look back and realize that the things you did, the choices you made that day, made you unhappy and made you feel worse about yourself and where you're going in your life? Like what sort of of discomfort do you want? Because you can't avoid discomfort. So
1: yeah. pick your poison. That's, it's, um, I'm chuckling because there was a recent Glennon uh, We Can Do Hard Things episode. Not just Glennon. It is the Doyle sisters and Abby Wambach. And they're amazing. Um, where they do the life hacks. I think you listened to this one. Yeah. And uh, I think it was Amanda that was talking about don't don't not go to bed if you're angry. Like, go to bed if you're angry. And Glennon says something like, yeah, life will still suck when you wake up. (laughs) (laughs) And it's like... At least you'll
0: have a good night's sleep. Right.
1: (laughs) Exactly. And I mean, you know, it's funny and like, oh God, life is hard. And it is hard. And it's like, you know, Buddhism says, right? The the path of humanity is to suffer. Or
0: yes. And that suffering comes from resistance to what is. Yeah. That and the suffering isn't actually what is, it's your resistance to it. It's yeah, telling on, yourself how, it shouldn't be this way. How
1: many examples can we throw into one, one thing? Because also <laughs> Richard Rohr talks about the two halves of life. And the first half of life is the building the, the vessel. And the second half of life is to go being uncomfortable yeah. and, man, it it's so true and so uh, sticky and, and hard and vulnerable and luck. And sometimes I'm just like, no, I'm going to binge watch The Dairy Girls. And other times I, I go out and I connect and I do the things that are votes towards future self.
0: So as you're going out into the world and you're thinking about this, Imagine your life, ask these questions for your life, right? What is going to make the biggest difference for me? What is going to be the lead domino that will knock down some other dominoes and make my life better? What are the the few things, the one to five things that I can make small changes at that are going to make a difference? You know, what's the, the price or the discomfort that I can pay ahead of time that I'm going to benefit from later. And, you know, what is my plan? What are my intentions for the next, you know, you can choose a month, you can try two weeks if you want, right, but what are my intentions for this next bite-sized period of time? And what is my plan? And then go and work your plan and reflect on it, you know, and, and you know again, having a, a an accountability partner, having someone else who's on this Very journey nice. with you is really valuable, but I also want to note this because I think this is really important. You can absolutely be your own accountability partner, and that 's one of the ways that journaling is really, really valuable. Sitting down at the end of a day and just saying, "Hey, what happened today compared to what I wanted to happen? what worked what didn 't What do I want to change tomorrow right That has a lot of value and if you Have somebody else who's willing to listen and go along this journey with you and reflect together and share. By all means, you should do that. But you don't need to wait to find that to get started.
1: Also, though, be vulnerable and uncomfortable with trying to go and find those people, right? Like, Mm. there's this great interview recently with Jane Fonda talking about finding friends. And, like, basically the message that came across was Jane Fonda just like nags the shit out of people until they're friends with her. And I just, and I like realized like, I'm kind of like that. Like, I'm like, Hey, you want to be my friend? Look what I'm doing. Do you want to do it with me? Like,
0: like be brave and uncomfortable and, and find your tribe. Absolutely. I think that's a great note to end on. Well, thanks for listening, everybody. And we will talk to you soon. This has been the Something of Meaning podcast with Aidan Young, original music and lyrics by Aidan Young. If you'd like to learn more, you can find us at somethingofmeaning.com. Thanks for listening.